0: an associate planner at Region 9 Development Commission, and a member of a Germany delegation who just came back from Germany last month, and it was an exchange to talk about energy, climate change, and learn new ideas from others. Good morning, Sabri. Good morning. So you just came back last month from Germany as a part of this delegation along with other Region 9 members. Tell us, what was this all about?
1: Yeah, so this delegation was about learning about clean energy and sustainability in Germany and then also sharing about welcoming communities and some of the diversity, equity, and inclusion work that is being done here in Minnesota. So it was a sort of international exchange to share ideas and learn from each other.
0: Now, this was in North Rhine, Westphalia. Why that particular area? What was it about that that was an important place to find out more about clean energy?
1: Yeah, so... There are a couple of reasons why North Rhine-Westphalia was picked. So, first is that Region Nine is has the opportunity to be part of the Climate Smart Municipalities program, which is a exchange between the state of Minnesota and the state of North Rhine-Westphalia, where there are these sister cities that are based on sustainability, and that's a program that's been going on for about ten years. And so, Region Nine has had the opportunity to be a part of that. Um, and participate in exchanges in the past. Another great reason to go to North Rhine-Westphalia is that they are really leading the way on some of these clean energy, renewable energy initiatives. Um, in terms of like the village that we visited, Zarbeck is really, they are just a leader in renewable energy. Like the fact that they produce three times as much renewable energy in their community as they use. A village of 7,000 people is something that doesn't exist anywhere else in the world right now. So it's a great place to go and learn from.
0: And as I understand this delegation, came about from a grant?
1: Yes, that is correct. So it was partly funded by the Bush Foundation and the Blandin Foundation. And so with the Bush Foundation, our work with that had largely been, again, about this diversity, equity, and inclusion and having welcoming communities in South Central Minnesota. And so part of that was we had worked with the community of St. James, uh, community of Waseca and Lusur to talk about what it means for their demographics to be changing. And as part of that grant, we need to go and talk about what we learned and share that with other places. And so it was a great opportunity to go to Germany and share with them and, you know, compare and contrast what what diversity and equity inclusion looks like in their society, and their community, and what it looks like in ours.
0: One of the things that I read in your agenda says you visited what's called the Bioenergy Park, mm-hmm. and it apparently began as a weapons and ammunition depot in The city then turned that into a wind, solar, and biomass facility that now generates enough power for over 18,000 households and businesses. Mm -hmm. So let's talk a little bit about that visit. This park sounds incredible.
1: Yeah, so the bioenergy park is... It's amazing to see it in pictures, but it's even crazier to see it in real life. And it's yeah, this amazing concept of having wind, solar, and bioenergy, so that you have three different renewable energy sources that can all work together to meet the energy needs of a community. And it was this ammunition park that was involved in World War II. After the war, it still existed, and this city had this. The city bought the property. And it sat there vacant for a really long time, and they didn't know what to do with it. And one day, it this sort of, so the ammunition park is also in this village of Zarbek And one day, the mayor and some other people had this idea of, we should do something with this property. What if we turned it into an opportunity for renewable energy? And so the idea sort of just went from there.
0: So when you visit some place like that, do you see any parallels of what perhaps could be done here back in the States, in in the Mankato area, because that's, I assume, why you're going is to get Mm -hmm. ideas that we can bring back.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I think one of the biggest reasons why North Rhine-Westphalia and that village of Zarbek is so important is because it's a rural community, and the Region 9 Development Commission is really focused on supporting rural communities. And so to see a village where this small town has decided that renewable energy is a net positive for their community it gives them cheap energy it gives them reliable energy and it also creates jobs for their community it's people that are mowing under the solar panels it's people that are monitoring the wind turbines and doing repair on them it's the people like the the biogas facility there is a cooperative of 17 farmers who use their waste so their silage and their manure from their animals and they sell that and it creates energy, and then they get profit from that as well. So it's another way for the local economy to have profit and yeah progress.
0: How did they get all these people to agree to to get this to this point? I mean, mm. it's really incredible that they've got so they have all of these different renewable energies, and they're they're operating as you mentioned, making three times of what they need in mm-hmm. terms of energy, so they can sell extra. How do you get the people together? Is that what you hope to learn? And
1: I think that was an important part of it. Is how how yeah how in the world did they get so many people to agree on this and I think it was very clear to see that whenever you asked a German why are you guys doing this they would say well first the climate emergency their understanding and appreciation for the climate emergency and what it's going to take to get us out of that seems to be very far beyond where we're at in the U.S. right now in that conversation yes they take it very urgently and I think they also see it very clearly as an issue of, yeah, just reliability for their, reliability and resilience for their communities. And I think that's a conversation that can really strike home with our communities is resilience and maintaining our rural communities as healthy, vibrant places.
0: How long is, did it take for them to get to this point? I mean, like mm-hmm. you mentioned, this, this bioenergy park that creates so much renewable energy. How <laughs> long does it take to get there?
1: Yeah, so they started, I believe, there's two numbers in my brain, either 10 or 14 years ago. Okay. So it's a decent amount of time, but it's also impressively fast. You know, 10 years is a really quick time yeah. to be able to build such an immense project. Mm-hmm.
0: And where do you get finances? That would be the other question I think mm-hmm. a lot of folks would ask.
1: Yeah, so they had a lot of different methods. So for their bioenergy park, they had a couple of these sort of energy co-ops, they call them. And so it's groups of community members who came together and put their money together. So they have seven wind turbines there, and they're all owned by different people or different groups. So a couple of them are owned by companies in town or wealthy business people. A couple of them, there's one that's owned by, I believe, 160 Individuals, So they all came together and they got a lawyer to help them draw up an agreement. They And it's an investment. People see it as an investment. So they put their money in. They buy these wind turbines. It produces energy and they get a return on their investment. And that return on investment is really strong compared to the stock market as well. And then there's also that added benefit of the environmental and social good that it brings too.
0: Would that be... Anything in comparison with our solar parks that we have that people can subscribe to? Is it similar to that or, or completely a different?
1: I would say it's completely different okay. because it's not so much that the solar energy that you're saying the solar energy is going to my house, but it's that, well, I think there are there are parallels to be drawn, mm-hmm. but so much of the ownership, like it's really the individuals that own the solar panels and are getting a lot more of, I would say, the economic payback. Yeah, I don't know. I guess that isn't completely a parallel I'd drawn. Mm-hmm. So, I was just wondering, because, yeah. you know, we have, that's mm-hmm. a thing we
0: can do. You can buy into or the solar communities mm-hmm. and get, they say you can save money, et cetera, which mm-hmm. is appealing to people. Has this covered all people? Are there people that are left out? You know, you talk about the, the wealthy and the not so wealthy. Does it cover all areas of the, the population there? You know, you talked about equality, diversity Mm -hmm. and inclusion. So that's Mm -hmm. why I was asking this.
1: Yeah, I think that was definitely an interesting thing to talk to the Germans about because the equity conversation is not something that's front of mind for them. Oh, and so and I think that's just it's just it's a cultural thing. I think every community is in different places in their conversations about. How their society should function or what they're aware of and it it was definitely striking to hear them talk about the immigration situation there and immigrants coming in i think they do a good job of welcoming people and giving them opportunities for housing and jobs but the expectations it struck me as the expectations that germans have for people to integrate and just become german and almost forget their heritage was a little bit shocking to hear. Because they're um,
0: getting, I think, a lot of people from the Romania.
1: Mm-hmm. So they have a lot of Romanians. And so that was one That was one farm that we visited, was this sort of very forward-thinking, sort of technologically driven vegetable farm. And they get uh, workers from Romania. But they said a lot of them come, work for the season, and then go back. Um, but they have other sort of permanent immigrant populations. They have a lot of Turkish immigrants who came during World War II. And then more recently in 2015, they had a big surge of Syrian refugees who came as well.
0: So as a a planner with Region 9, do you look at this and say, I can bring some of these ideas home? Were there anything that stuck out that seems like an immediate thing you could do or near future?
1: Mm. I think one of the biggest things we continually heard from the Germans which is something we've sort of been encouraging our communities to do is to create some sort of climate action or energy plan and to really sit down and think about what resources are available in their community what institutions and assets they have think about where their energy is being used is it going through the roof of their town hall and they could add insulation is it an inefficient boiler that's could be replaced or upgraded And so that was the Germans were very clear in making plans, sitting down, taking stock of where all of their energy is being used, all the opportunities, and then taking action, too. And so we're just sort of at the beginning of that in Region 9, but we are going to be working with some communities on some energy and environment plans. So very excited for that.
0: When you were there, did they talk about any of the downsides or things that they found as challenges in terms of getting to this point of having a lot of renewable energy?
1: Hmm. Any downsides?
0: And maybe they didn't want to talk about it. I'm yeah. not sure. But I mean, was there just wondering if there was anything that came mm. up where they said, we learned this and we should have done this or hindsight?
1: You know, I'm somebody asked that question of this guy, Guido Valraven, who's the project manager for this village of Zarbeck, And he said there wasn't a single thing he would change. Really? Not a single thing. Yeah. OK. Mm hmm.
0: Do you think it's realistic for us to do that? And you mentioned the culture uh, in terms of how climate change is viewed is so different. So is it going to take us longer because we are not at the point where they are?
1: I think to be realistic, I would say I think it will take us longer because there is only sort of that really that economic sort of conversation that's really being had around renewable energy. Um, I think we need to change that and talk more about community resilience and what that really means. But it's it's all about the messaging and how you message this to people and where it really strikes home. And so we're working on sort of formulating that and deciding on that. But I think we also have this great opportunity to learn from them. They've already done it. So in theory, we should be able to take what they've done and plug and play and see what works for our communities and implement.
0: Did they have to go through a legislature or anything to get some of these things done enact certain laws or things that require you to do so much renewable energy or anything like that? Or was it totally separate from that?
1: Yeah. So policy, although it wasn't talked about a ton, it was mentioned. And there was a renewable energy law, I believe. For some reason, it strikes me as being around the same time as Minnesota passed ours in 2007 or 2008. That was passed in Germany that made it so that all renewable energy that is produced has to be allowed onto the German grid, and that any project has to be approved, whereas here our policy doesn't allow that.
0: Okay. And as you look, this is one community. How widespread was this sort of thing in other surrounding communities, or are they kind of the exception Mm. to the rule in terms of how much renewable energy they are embracing?
1: Mm. I think the scope and the sort of the bioenergy park in Zarbeck is sort of a... Um, I don't know, they're far beyond, but I was really struck by as we were flying into Dusseldorf on the plane to look down and see all of the rooftops covered in solar panels. You saw them on private homes, on apartments. On shipping, what would you call it like a shipping warehouse? There's a shipping sure. warehouse that's lined with trucks around the outside, and there are solar panels all across it. There's a sports park where there's soccer fields. and then there's some sort of building there that maybe is an indoor soccer field or indoor tennis courts that has solar panels on it. So they were everywhere. And you drive through the countryside, and there's all of the farms have solar panels on, them. really? Yes, Even it in was the, in the so countryside many, too. yes in the countryside. It was. Wow. Astounding to see. And it's crazy to think, too, that in Germany, they have 30% less sun, or at least in North hemisphere they have 30% less sun than we do, and they have less wind than we do. But well, they that's utilize, what I was going to ask you. Yeah. If,
0: if they had more, I thought, well, but if they have more, that mm-hmm. made sense they'd have some, but they don't.
1: No, they have less. And so oh. even in the bioenergy park, their wind turbines are low wind turbines. Really? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm.
0: That's that is fascinating. Mm-hmm. And if folks want to learn more about this, you are going to be moderating a session coming up on Friday. It's with the South Central Minnesota, C- oh, yes, yeah, South-, South Central Minnesota Clean Energy Council of which you are also a member by mm-hmm. the way, and they are hosting an online virtual session featuring a panel that you will be leading. And it's about rural communities leading the way towards energy transition, Mm -hmm. observation from the Region 9 December fact-finding tour to Germany, which we were just talking about. Who else will be on this panel, and what might we learn Mm -hmm. from them?
1: Yeah, so we have a couple different delegates from different communities. So we will have the mayor of Comfrey, Minnesota, which is a town of just under 400 people. So Gary Richter will be there along with his wife. And then we will have city council president of New Ulm, Andrea Betker, will be there. And then some community members from St. James. So we will have Paul Harris, who is the the city council, the at-large city council member of St. James. We will have Pat Branstad, who is a community leader with Uniting Cultures. And then we will have Luisa Trapero, who is also a community leader with Convivencia Hispana in St. James. And then also Jim Branstad, who is a Watanwan County Commissioner. Oh, Okay. Yeah,
0: And so you will be leading this talking about what you saw, what you observed, and how these communities may incorporate this or what they think was useful for them?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. So a couple of the questions that I'll be asking are about, you know, what inspired them on the trip. I'll be asking them what sort of technologies or ideas they want to bring back to their community and why they think those will be beneficial. And then also asking them about what challenges they anticipate, but then also how they think they'll get past those.
0: Because I'm thinking some of these smaller communities don't have maybe the bigger resources like a Mankato area would, but Region 9 is includes those communities as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So when you do a plan, you can c- include the whole region? Is that how that works?
1: Um, you know, I think it varies between one of the great things about working on a regional scale is that we have so many resources. So the city of Comfrey can reach out to the city of New Ulm or rely on the city of Mankato for resources, whether it's... Maybe a physical resource or it's like a knowledge resource. Maybe they want to talk to a professor at Mankato State about something.
0: So this, again, this will be, it's free, it's online. People need to register in advance. How do they do that?
1: So they can go to the South Central Minnesota Clean Energy Council Facebook page and register on there. And it's there's also an in-person option at the South Central Service Cooperative.
0: Okay, and the mm-hmm. South Central Service Cooperative is at 2075 Lookout Drive, and that's in Upper North Mankato. So the panel will be there with you leading it.
1: Yes, it'll be some of them will be hybrid, so some will be in person, some will be online. But, okay,
0: mm-hmm. well I hope people will take advantage of that. Again, that's the South Central Minnesota Clean Energy Council that will take place Friday, January 13th, and it starts at nine o'clock, goes till 10:15, and as you mentioned, it's in person at the South Central Service Cooperative at 2075 Lookout Drive, North Mankato, or online via the Zoom. Go to South Central Minnesota Clean Energy Council on their Facebook to get the connection for that. (laughs) We are chatting with Sabri Fair, the Associate Planner of Region 9 Development Commission and a member of the Germany delegation that got back recently. What inspired you the most on this trip, Sabri?
1: Hmm. I think one of the most moving moments for me was we, vis- we visited this factory called Enapter, And so they're a company that makes electrolyzers, which create hydrogen. So they take water molecules and they split them into hydrogen, and that can be used in place of natural gas. And what's really inspiring about this company is that they're building a new research and manufacturing facility in the village of Zarbek that is only connected to the bioenergy park. So the bioenergy park, renewable energy sources, will be their only source of electricity because they believe in the reliability of them, and that aligns with sort of what the product the products that they're manufacturing and, yeah, what they believe as a company and what they believe for the future of the planet. So to hear them be that committed to renewable energy resources uh, was really amazing.
0: You know, you mentioned that there were seven area farms involved with giving their their waste and Mm -hmm. their silage and things like that to create energy. Of course, we are in the midst of the green seam, the Mm -hmm. southern Minnesota agriculture area. Is that, when you saw that, was that something that seemed that would be transferable that we could do easily? Or is that a a more difficult situation? Mm -hmm. Because I don't know exactly how it even works, but we've got a lot of farms around
1: here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it definitely is an opportunity, and that was what struck some of our delegates. I remember particularly Jim Brandstad. after we visited the farm, he just sat down and said, that makes so much sense for a rural community like St. James. We have so many farmers around us, biogas, of maybe all of the renewable resources that, and how maybe you would sell them or bring them to a community, he thought biogas made the most sense for St. James.
0: What, what so, is biogas actually? How does that work? Yeah.
1: So biogas is created through the, it's called anaerobic digestion. And so it's little bacteria that eat food stuff and feedstock. So it could be animal manure, it could be corn and soy silage. And so they eat them up and then basically they fart. And make gas, and, and then you can it? burn it. Yep. Really? So
0: mm-hmm. in, you transfer it what through pipes or something, or it, it's, yeah, because so it's, it, mm-hmm. uh, it's a it's a gas, not anything liquid, right? So. Yeah.
1: So it's yeah, just through pipelines, and you could put it in canisters. Yeah.
0: Is mm-hmm. that? I mean, you mentioned that he found that interesting. Is that feasible to do here? Is it being done very much?
1: It is. I don't know oh. if I could say it's being done much. There is an anaerobic digester in LaSour County okay. that uses a lot of waste from the local um, vegetable canning facilities. Okay,
0: mm-hmm. I I will be anxious to see what results from this. What are next steps? I mean, you've gone in this. You're ex- all excited. The the delegation's back. And you're going to be doing this presentation. So, what next? It just doesn't stop here, hopefully.
1: Mm-hmm. Correct. Yeah. So, what's next? So, in the works, we have a couple of grants to do energy and environment plans for communities. Okay. And then we're also trying to get some of these delegates to talk to their own communities and figure out who sort of the key players in their communities are, who wants to be involved, who's interested. And yeah, just figuring out how we make progress. So, right now, it's a lot. I guess it's really a lot about sharing our message and our story and what we saw to really inspire others to get engaged.
0: Sabri, where can people go to get more information about the things that you saw, for example? Does the, does the city have a place? Do you go to their bioenergy park, or, or is there anything that you can refer to that might be useful?
1: Yeah, I might say, I would say, if you were to look up Zarbek Climate Community, I believe they have a really nice website all about sort of their bioenergy park and climate community efforts. So, yeah, I would say that would be a great place to look.
0: And does Region 9 have anything in particular that shares with some of the work you're doing?
1: I don't know if we have anything yet, but oh, okay. we are we are updating our website. So okay. once that is done, I hope we will have a beautiful page about our well, delegation. That,
0: that will be wonderful. But in mm-hmm. the meantime, people can go to the South Central Minnesota Clean Energy Council meeting this Friday, January 13th, 9 to ten fifteen a.m in person and via Zoom. Again, you can go to the South Central Minnesota Clean Energy Council's Facebook to find out that information. Sabri, I want to thank you so much for coming in and and sharing what you learned about that. It just sounds really fascinating, and I hope to see some of that enacted Mm -hmm. here in in our region.
1: Absolutely, yeah. Thank you. Thank you.
0: Every Day is Earth Day is supported by Minnesota Valley Federal Credit Union.